Hello, and welcome to Superhero Ethics. Today we are taking a trip down the Missouri River to the Ozark area of Missouri. We are talking about all sorts of crazy family drama. We're talking about how do you ethically money launder. And we're talking about is there any way to find a good guy in this show? All that and more right after this commercial we have no control over. Welcome back, everyone. Once again, I'm Matthew. I'm your host. And I'm joined today uh, by a special guest, Ashley Coffin. Uh, for those of you who are MCU fans, Ashley has been a guest on the MCU cast and has also been a, a pretty regular contributor to their chat groups and the like. She and I got to know each other a lot through those groups. Um, and I recently discovered we have a mutual love of the TV show Ozark, which, granted, is a little bit outside of the uh, superhero um comic book genre, but certainly is a interesting TV show that was just a, just had a new season, and uh, a lot of us I know love to binge it, and certainly raises a lot of pretty interesting questions. So, Ashley, I'm glad to have you with us today. How you doing? Thanks so much for having me. Great. Things are great. How are you doing? Not bad. Not bad. I'm, uh, it was fun to uh, dive into this, because we, we started talking when we were both binging it on Netflix, and like I think at one point, I was a little ahead, and you were a little ahead. <laughs> yes. And then... um. I realized there was so much just from season three to dive into, but then um, to get ready for today, I went back and I tried to kind of remind myself of things. And so I went and reread like the Wikipedia articles for each episode that's come before. Mm-hmm. And wow, it made me forget like just what an incredible roller coaster the show has been of like yeah. twists and turns. And um, in some ways, I, I kind of think of it a bit as a comic book because it's this is not superhero-y by any means, but this is definitely pulp fiction. You know, this is like... To me, the oh, epitome yeah. of storyboards, trash TV, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like it plays out in storyboards. It's it's crazy. And I, I did the same thing. I went and uh, we rewatched like uh, breakdowns on YouTube. Oh, because nice. I feel like when you binge something and then you think about talk, sometimes that's not the best way to get the information from it. But we're all home and I started watching that show and I couldn't turn it off. Yeah. And uh, so the refresh was very good. And you're just like, oh, man, a whole lot of stuff happened. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. No, I get that. So what do you love about the show? Let's kind of start just in general. Like, what what's your take on the show and what do you like about it? What I love about uh, what they did with this show is it, every other show that's like this, the families are involved. And the the main character is always trying to figure out how to juggle everything. Where in this, it's like from episode one the family's involved and this is how we're going to move forward and you would think that it would be the better way to to handle things and sometimes it is but from watching like breaking band and stuff you have to there's no other way to to do this and have it work out and not have your whole family know so i couldn't wait to see what they were going to do with that kind of plot yeah i i think it's interesting when um you know, we, we I think one of the things that, that our show often does, this podcast is, I mean, it's called Superhero Ethics. We're talking about people who are trying to be heroes. And the, to me, there's something that's kind of interesting about when you start in a world where clearly no one is an actual hero. Everyone is trying to do the best they can in, in pretty detestable situations, you know, and that mm-hmm. um, I think you have people who are trying to be heroic, definitely, and are trying to find the way to do the right thing. But it all kind of starts with a number of people who've made some pretty awful decisions. Um, right. <laughs> so let, let me just kind of give a, a brief summary, if I can, um, for those who haven't seen the show The Ozark and who want to see it or who want to be part of this conversation in general. Um, but I will say uh, we're going to probably spoil everything from all three seasons, uh, <laughs> focusing mostly on this last season, but just kind of going over some basic details. Um, so here's my kind of like quick summary of a huge plot. But tell me what I leave out. So Marty and Wendy Bird live with their children, Charlotte and Jonah, in Chicago. And Marty seems to be living a pretty kind of like normal humdrum life as an accountant until we find out that he is um, actually laundering money on behalf of the Navarro drug cartel from Mexico. Um, And we find out as the show goes on that um, at first it seems like just his partner was doing it, but that he's been an active part of it too, that his wife Wendy has known about it for some time. And when the show starts, it turns out that that partner was skimming money from the cartel. They find out, they kill him, and um, place Marty in a situation where he's got to go on the run. And um, he basically decides that he can go down to this town of, um, I think it's called Osage Lake. I forget how it's pronounced. But it's in the Ozarks region of Mm -hmm. Missouri, 
where he's where you know it's kind of a um a vacation area but for um kind of like I don't know what the politically correct term for white trash is, but it's definitely like that. <laughs> I, I want to find a better term, but it's that it's that community. And I think a lot of what the show is it's, about is the classism between the two. Um, it's where the dusty white people go to vacation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so and, and so then the show is about him attempting to, you know, he, basically get out from under the thumb of the um, the drug cartel and launder enough money to get them to leave him alone. And I think kind of both it and Breaking Bad share the basic idea of that of a person who thinks they can kind of make a one-time deal with the devil and get away with it, but that what both shows are really about is that every time you try to figure one thing out, you have to go a little bit deeper and have to go a little bit more into the, the ethical gray areas or, 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 you know, into real kind of uh, wrong behavior, and that it just is a cycle that's always going to get further down and further down. And I think um, – uh, did you also watch the show Sons of Anarchy? I did. Yeah, another, I mean, fantastic show, utter pulp, utter eye candy, um, but so good. Um, but also about, I think, the same kind of idea. Um, and so, yeah, and so along the way, they meet up with um, a, a, a family of people called the Langmores, one of whom, Ruth, who is very much a, you know, a local resident and I think very easily quickly judged as, you know, just a dumb hick, but proves to have an incredible intelligence and cunning and a lot of loyalty. Um, She's my favorite. Yeah. She becomes kind of part of the family and helps them out a lot. Um, there's a lot. They wind up owning a casino. There's lots of sort of going back and forth with the cartel and what they're going to do. And then eventually in this most recent season, you know, there's continued fights with the cartel, including with this lawyer, Helen, who's kind of the person representing the cartel. Um, and by the end of the season, um, there's been a brother of Wendy's who has had to be killed because he couldn't be relied on. Ruth has decided to kind of break ties with the family in large part because she was in love with Ben, the brother. And um, the, the, the birds have to travel with, with Helen down to Mexico to meet with the head of the Navarro um, uh, cartel, thinking that they're about to be killed. And it turns out that uh, Helen is the one who is killed. And we literally end with, um, you know, Helen's blood on the our two heroes. And I think a really symbolic shot. Um, mm-hmm. did, did I kind of get the, the, the gist of what we're going on here? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, because there, there's so many little side plots to dive into for the wise, and that's when you get to meet new characters. But as a whole, good job. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think kind of some, to me, some of the most interesting questions are here. And we're just going to start with like, what, what's your take on how this show explores that idea of like, once you kind of start making the deal with the devil, you can never get out? Um. It's man, it's so many characters because it's like if you start with Ruth, Ruth ends up suffering terribly th- through all this. You know, yeah. she has she kills her uncle. She has they have her father killed, which is kind of a you know, that's OK. He sucked, but still. And then Ben. And it was like if Ruth was introduced into the show because her and her family f- kind of figured out that Marty had money because they were hiding out in a hotel when they got to Ozark. Right. And they robbed him. So. You know, you could kind of start like if she had never done that, where would she, you know, all these horrible things that have happened to her. But she needs to, you know, look and be like, I got myself into this because I decided to start this plan to rob them. And then I was going to murder Marty. Right. And, you know, to try to she sees, you know, starts to change when she starts to get to know him. She sees the uh, importance of learning how to launder Mm -hmm. and then makes the decision to kill her uncles it's both of them right both were her uncles right? yeah well it's in part because they're gonna try and kill marty but also frame kill her marty. for it so yeah it's she's kind of in a real oh, no-win yeah. scenario and i think i think that's one of the things i like most about the show is how often it it puts a character in a situation where the terrible thing they have to do is because you know they have to do something terrible because every other option is worse um yes like the number of times where ruth has to and one thing i think is interesting is that Every one of the characters in this show seems to be at least trying to believe that they are trying to be like do the right thing for everybody else. You know that that Ruth yeah. Ruth is trying to protect her younger cousins, um, and as well as herself. Marty is trying to protect his family, um, mm-hmm. and and but it gets into a lot of questions of like how much of that is self interest versus how much of is actually being like you know caring for others, um, right. And in these kind of situations, you have to either shut it down and and not kind of care for people, which I feel like 
throughout the seasons, Marty starts to become very cold, very like he doesn't have emotions towards things anymore. Right. But then right at the very end, he chooses to uh, help Rachel, who uh, was a bartender at one of the bars that he took over to start laundering. And she stole, what, $100,000 from him? Yeah. Yeah. And even though he's making these decisions and people are dying because of their decisions, he'll still find it deep down in there. Like, I'm still a person, yeah. you know, and I care about these people and I still care. And it's, you don't get a lot of it, but like the, the moments when they realize like, oh, my God, ugh, what am I doing? What have I done? Well, one thing I think um, and here's where I think Marty breaks a little bit with Walter White um, from from Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Marty seems to be primarily motivated by guilt. Um, at least yeah. for a lot of the first two seasons and somewhat the third in that he knows that all of this started because of his decision to, to launder money, um, for the mm-hmm. drug cartel and him, him believing that he could get, you know, um, that there's that old expression that I love, like, you know, you can't get a little bit pregnant, you know, you're sort of like you're, you're in or you're out. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I think that that's really kind of where he sits is that he, he believes that, you know, or at least before the show started, he thought he could launder money, but keep his hands clean, make some real money. Um, and, and I think the part of what's happening is, yeah, the people he, what he hates seeing is the collateral damage that everything is doing around him. Um, and I think that's another yeah. theme that that also really explores is who are the people who see that and who are the people who don't. Because um, I think that really, um, there's a family called the Snells who are, again, they're the kind of like, they're involved in the drug business, but they're again portrayed as like the locals. And they, again, they have a lot of intelligence, but also a huge amount of pride mm-hmm. and yeah. They, they they speak with the thick accents in ways that I think kind of set off the classism of our main characters and are are meant to think to make us as the audience challenge that as well. But it seems like mm-hmm. like they're not motivated by by that guilt. They have a much hot they're they don't care about the the collateral damage of the things that they do the way that Marty does. The and that's it's where you get to um your people they they ran poppy fields and they were selling heroin and they you know they blew blew away one of their top people right. What did that? Sorry, what did that guy do? I can't remember. They, sh- they're yeah, and it's, I think we can get too lost. We go too deep in details, but no, but I, mean, I think the, yeah, the basic. But like they're kind of like built for it, where Marty's not. He, they, you know, they love it. Darlene loves it. Yeah, and Marty, you know, he's more human than that. And I feel like a lot of that consequence stuff is when you go to the the the. Who's the preacher? Mason? Yeah. Like that was, that's when things changed. I feel like in the show for Marty and Wendy. Yeah. Um, after what happened with that family. Cause you know, tech Marty got every, if you go back morally, Marty got that whole family killed. Yeah. I mean, here what happens is Marty, um, is trying to find ways to launder money. And he, he finds out about a church that's meeting as just, you know, boats on the water. And he, he tries to say, okay, can I, um, you know, what would it mean? You know, could I convince this pastor to launder to to build a new church? Because the idea is that church construction, it's very easy to launder money because, again, you know, contractors fees can get overpaid and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then it, 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 it winds up that it gets into a larger situation where where that whole family of the, the pastor and his family are all just kind of decimated. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, so I, I kind of feel like in, in some ways that's that to me is Marty's original sin almost that he keeps carrying that through. Um, and yeah. we'll get into each character in specific, but just kind of talking about the the larger issues. What what's your take on the way this this kind of the, the the issue of class kind of plays out in this show, and the way it's really kind of set up about you know the local hicks? And again, I'm using that term kind of um, ironically, mm-hmm. but that's I think the way the people in the show see that's, it versus yeah. the you know the city folk like Marty and Wendy, and then Helen and other folks like that. Yeah, when you get um, when a uh, Helen who comes in who already you know a helen and a wendy people who are educated work with congress lawyers they're gonna think that they're better and smarter than everybody else which will lead to faults in your planning because it is never good to underestimate people just because someone has an accent doesn't mean they're stupid look at ruth right and um with uh darlene i mean when they were doing the deals with the dell you know, all it took was for him to call her a redneck and she shot him in the face. Yeah, correct. And that was after she said some pretty insulting things about him being Mexican. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I kind of feel like to me, the thing that I think separates Ruth and Darlene, and this is something I, I think about a lot, is 
you know, it, it's funny. Um, uh, Ashley, you and I are really getting to know each other because we're playing a Dungeons and Dragons campaign together. Um, <laughs> it's and, the best. It's it's <laughs> such a fun campaign. Huge shout out to Jeff uh, Jeff Randall who's who's running it uh, from the Bestia uh, F from the uh, MCU campaign, uh, the MCU cast. Um, but but it, to me, what I think I love about the Dungeons and Dragons idea is that it it separates the idea of intelligence from wisdom, and you know, mm-hmm. intelligence, I think, is a lot about book learning. And it's about your ability to sort of process book learning and to, you know, kind of do that kind of thing. Wisdom is more about cunning. And mm-hmm. I think part of what the show is is highlighting is that a lot of the folks from um, the Ozark area might not have very high intelligence, but they have very high wisdom. Um, mm-hmm. And But what I think Darlene and Ruth are different is, is that, and this is kind of an intelligence thing, Ruth is able to say, I can figure stuff out. I'm smart, but there's things that I don't know. And so she's constantly asking Marty and others, explain to me how this works. Explain to me how this works. Darlene, I think, is the opposite. Darlene is, I know how things work in my corner of the world, and I don't care that everyone else (laughs) wants to be different. I'm just going to be set in my ways and damn the torpedoes and make life impossible (laughs) for everyone else. Darlene's wild card. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And it it's like that um the way that Wendy would try to interact with the people in the town when they were trying to buy their businesses to launder and, and nobody wanted anything to do with them and in her mind she's like, Well well, why wouldn't you? I I have this great plan. Yeah. You're gonna make a ton of money. And they're like, We're not buying you shit. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? And and they were shocked when it was such a pushback and it was hard for them to get this started and it's like you can't underestimate people. Yeah. We've talked before on this show, and this is more about kind of like supervillains and stuff, but this idea of um, uh, intellectual fascism, you know, kind of this idea of like, I am Mm -hmm. smarter, I am right, so I should do what's right. You know, Um, like, have you Mm -hmm. seen uh, Watchmen, especially the new team? Yes. Like, to me, Ozymandias is that exact idea. You know, he is... Yep. I know what's right. I And to me, Wendy is exactly the same. She's very much in that... That's what I was... Go ahead, yeah. I was complete. I was going to be like, Wendy broke bad by the time we got there. And she's exactly like that. Even when she, um, you know, says to Marty, after she makes major decisions that affect everyone, uh, like, I, I didn't have time to argue. And it's like, that's where the dynamic of a family working together to keep all of this stuff in control starts to fail is when everybody starts lying or just doing things without telling anybody. And that's when things start to fall apart. Right. And it's always because somebody thinks that they know best. Yeah, it's that they know best and they don't have to be accountable to anyone, um, right. which is why I'm Team Tony, by the way. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but yeah, I think I think that's all very true. And I think with Wendy, we really see this especially play out with the class issue because, as you said, she really has a sense of like, I know best and I'm – she. and I think this is something like, that can be a real danger both like from an individual – but also from like a country or from any kind of institution where you think I know what's best for someone. And so it's okay for me to hurt this person even to get them to go along with it because in the long run, it's going to be what's best for them. Um, mm-hmm. I know it'll be better for them in the end. It's like, exactly. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, to me, you know, and I think that's what we see um, in this most recent season, especially, you know, she's convinced that, sh- that, um, she gets this whole idea of moving into legitimate business. Um, you know, I kind of want to make her go watch the Godfather movies and realize why this doesn't really work. <laughs> doesn't work. Yeah, but her idea is like if she can create um, a legitimate business for the Navarros, then that will make them safe. Um, and-, and it was smart of her. She was also her underlying thing with that was to convince him it was a way to help protect his children she was very smart with laying the uh the bricks for what she was planning to do right she's very i mean and part of the but part of the idea <laughs> is that because as the show happens the um navarro clan is in the middle of a uh, a drug war with another uh uh cartel and so he wants to keep his kids safe he wants to be able to have you know a legitimate business that can't be taken away but what i think is most interesting is she starts identifying um other businesses that she thinks like it would be in their best interest to sell to her. And when they can't be convinced, she she not only just gets angry, but she starts thinking it's okay to do pretty horrible things to them to yep. force them to sell. Um, and it's, oh, it, 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 it's to me, it's such an interesting ethical journey because it's, it, it's the thing I think, honestly, that I think so many villains do where they say to themselves, 
I know what's best and I know that my plan is best. And so if someone gets in my way, it's okay to hurt them because they're still, they're in the way of, you know, what the world needs. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, her and Helen, uh, and it's hard with this kind of show because our villains are our heroes. So when her and Helen are working together well and everything's going good and they're, you know, they, they make their plans to how to get these people to sell. Like, I love that. Yeah. I'm loving it. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't know how I feel. You know, she's doing, this is really horrible, but it's awesome at the same time. Ah, the show. Yeah. I mean, it's very much a kind of like Breaking Bad. It, it's kind of why it's fun to talk about on a yep. show like this. It's very much a kind of guilty pleasure because it's, you know, it's, mm-hmm. there is no hero. There is no good guy. And I think we're told, the story is told in a way that we wind up rooting for Marty and for Helen, uh, or not for Helen, mm-hmm. uh, for and Wendy. Um, but you're also sort of figure like, couldn't you also make a TV show called The Longmores, The Langmores? Oh, yeah, and, 100%. And that Marty and Helen and, and Wendy would be 100% the bad guys in this story. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, let, let's talk about each character uh, individually. Um, so Marty, first of all, and we've kind of gotten a lot of uh, – uh, somewhat into him already. Um, okay. He's someone who, like, he sees himself as kind of the head of this whole plot, the head of this whole idea. Um, what, what's your take on his ethical journey, especially in this last season where he, he really goes through a lot? Uh, did he get, was he taken in this last season or was that season two? Yeah, he, um, so to give kind of an idea of his arc, he really stands against Wendy and her plans to, um, get the casino, uh, buy this other casino. At one point he, um, he actually like, she's trying to sabotage the deal one way. He tries to sabotage the deal another way, which involves like actually Mm -hmm. doing damage to a rival casino. Um, yeah. And then I want to unpack this whole thing a bit because that, that, that part right there is is for Marty's part. Uh, I have big problems. With. Yeah, so let's actually start right there. So, and just to kind of summarize, so Wendy has a casino she wants to buy, and part of her justification is the casino is getting killed by this rival casino, and so no one will loan them money to help support them because they all see them as a terrible risk. Helen, uh, Wendy tries to put incredible financial pressure on them. She has them just about ready to sell. At which point Marty makes a deal with his buddies in the mob to basically like destroy part of the rival casino. So now with the rival casino out, the first casino's business does much better and they now don't need the, the loan or the help from uh, Wendy's group. Um, right. And eventually they do they do wind up being forced to make the deal. But that's that's sort of Marty's interfering. So, yeah, what's, what's your take on what he does yeah. there? So, you know, we're there several months into dealing with the cartel. Marty has seen his friends killed in front of him. Uh, when they made the deal, uh, Dell cut someone's eyes right out in front of him when he started to agree to Lauder. So it's like, you know what these people are like. Yeah. Why would you ever put your wife in a bad situation where they would they could just kill her? You made a really bad choice to to try to block this when you know she's on a timeline and you know how important it is. Right. And sure, she's gone full um, Heisenberg at this point. <laughs> but in the end, do you want your family to live? So the fact that he went, got the mob involved to go against the cartel and do that, I, I thought that was ridiculous. Yeah. And, and I, I think part of it goes to, I mean, you were saying, like, why would you do this to your wife? I think part of it, and th- this season is where this changes, but for mm-hmm. a lot of the season, Marty doesn't treat like you know we found out earlier that um she was cheating on him and i don't like mm-hmm. i am very much not of the like so therefore she's the evil one i think you know no. infidelity comes out of very complicated situations uh and that he was in large part he had a lot to do with but basically i i feel like we got to a point where if they were in a normal situation he would have filed for divorce and right. i think that mm-hmm. like in some ways he's seeing her as his business partner who's going yeah. behind his back against what he did, kind of like what his business partner did at the start of the show. Um, yeah. So I, I think I have some sympathy for him, but I think you're right. I I, I think this is a situation where that I'm in all the time with his show where I understand why a character wants to do the really dumb thing they're doing, but it mm-hmm. just still seems so dumb. And I agree with you. Like, I know. Wendy shouldn't have done it, but once she does, he's a total idiot for doing it as well. Yeah. And, it, and it's just like how you had said, you know, his partner did it. Um, and so he's just kind of like, finally, I agree. He needed to push back a little bit, but it's like, look at what happened to your partner. You have to be smarter. It's, you know, you're not just dealing with anybody, you know, you could, that could, that move could have gotten your whole family killed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's true. And, and so later in the season, he winds up getting kidnapped by the Navarro cartel. Um, 
uh, what what's the name of the guy who's the head of the cartel? Do you remember? I think is he just Omar? Omar, thank you. Yeah, Omar Navarro. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically like he's there for a couple of days, and then um, in part it's a way to kind of test if they need him to do the money laundering or if someone else can do it. Um, and there's a whole thing with the FBI, and that he kind of is able to pass the test and get sent back. But he's clearly deeply affected mm-hmm. by it, though he's not willing to talk about it. Um, and I think he then becomes a little bit more kind of less risk averse and more willing to kind of take chances. Um, mm-hmm. And he spends a lot of the rest of the show, he spends most of this this season trying to decide whether or not he's going to turn himself into the FBI. And part of what he's part of his thinking is, can he make a deal where it will get him out from under and will get his family protected. Um, right. And I, I think it's an interesting thing of like, how much is he ever actually seriously considering it versus how much is he doing it to string along the FBI agent to get her under control? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's your take on that? Do you think there were times where he really meant it or was he always just playing a game? No, I think there was a couple points when he was very serious about it. Um, because when you're the way Wendy was moving, she was going to get everybody killed. So if he could give himself up at any point where he would go away and everybody else would be safe, uh, he would do it. But I also feel like he knows kind of deep down that you're never really safe from the cartel. And he's starting at this point to get that whole, once you're in, you're in, there's no getting out. So, you know, they have people in the FBI. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's definitely true. And I think it's also, um, like one of the things I think that's I, I think it's meant to be coincidental, but certainly it, it and I think affects Marty very deeply is he's he has literally just said to the FBI agent that he'll take the deal. And then he sort of like walks away to kind of start getting things lined up. And that's when the people from the cartel grab him. Um, and my sense is that that's yeah. what really shifts for him is because that's when he realizes the FBI can't ever really keep him safe. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. Um yeah, so anything else on kind of Marty's journey with all this? Or you want to go, go to the next character? Uh, let's go to the next character. Uh, so let's talk about Wendy, uh, who I know you had some pretty oh, strong nice. feelings about when we were chatting during the season. Um, <laughs> she also goes on quite a journey. I think this is the one where she she really is coming into her own a lot more, but also a lot more mm-hmm. into, um, as we said, kind of the like, I know best and so I get to make the decisions. Um, mm-hmm. She also winds up being faced with an incredibly hard decision where and to kind of give a quick summary her brother is portrayed as being um severely mentally ill um to a point where he often makes very self-destructive decisions that can also be very harmful to everyone around him um in large part based on whether or not he's taking his medication and at one point he comes to stay with her and he's doing well um but he um among other things uh you know while he's doing well he sort of discovers part of what's going on and the family they bring him into the family secrets and all the business him and ruth who didn't they tell yeah (laughs) who didn't they tell they're not good at the secrecy (laughs) thing um him and ruth start getting involved and and wendy really strongly encourages ruth not to get involved with him ruth says you know like kind of to hell with that they get involved they go to bed together and he has the um the problem that that can happen with a lot of mental uh illness Mm -hmm. medications that can affect um you know sexual performance and he gets kind of very deeply embarrassed by it and, and then says, like, okay, I'm going to stop taking the medication in order to, you know, be able to, to, to have a, a sex life with Ruth. And then he pretty quickly spirals, goes off the deep end and winds up um, the, 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 they try a number of ways to try and get him back under control. He, he gets into trouble. He gets into legal trouble. Um, Helen, the, the drug cartel lawyer, kind of has to help him out. And as a result, they, he winds up getting committed to a mental institution um ruth breaks him out and then he winds up while still kind of you know not not being in treatment or under medication really kind of having a snap moment where he goes to to helen this drug cartel's lawyer and tells her kid all the secrets about what helen does and in so doing kind of basically like shows that shows the navarro clan that he can't be trusted and puts wendy and marty in a situation where they realize like they can't keep him safe and they have to give him up. And eventually Helen tries to, you know, go on the run with him and keep him safe. But he keeps doing things that show that he's not going to be able to, you know, he, he calls Helen to like, he calls her. Yeah. Uh, and he goes to see Ruth at the casino um, when everybody's, you know, the cartel guys are looking for him. 
every time they tell him not to do something, he does the opposite because as the theme, he thinks he's, you know, he's trying to help. He's trying to make things better. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's very true. And, and so, yeah. And so eventually uh, in a real heartbreaking and very hard to watch scene, uh, Wendy realizes she can't save him and they go to this diner and, and have a kind of really nice conversation. And you later realize that she has, you know, told the, the, the cartel people that this is where he will be. And she drives away and leaves him knowing that, you know, his death has come for him. Um, so what's, uh, what, what's your kind of take on a so Wendy's decisions here? Um, when it comes down to it though, I, I feel like she didn't have any other choice. Yeah. They got him into the mental institution if he would have gotten back on his medication. She actually did know best in this point because that is her brother and she's been dealing with it her entire life. So for Ruth to have gone behind her back and break him out, you know, Ruth kind of has a hand in it too. But it was either going to be him getting himself killed in front of the family, getting the family killed. You know, this it almost seemed like the most humane way to do it. Um while keeping her family safe which was really the that's like the end game so yeah. i don't i didn't see any other way for her to get out of that yeah i i really wrestled with this one and i i'll some full disclosure and i've talked about this before on the podcast but for those who haven't heard it um i am someone who has dealt with a uh, very bad mental illness in the past i've been you know it, it is happily a part of my life that is a chapter that's quite closed but you know i i've been i, I was able to really relate to ben in a lot of ways not in mm-hmm. um you know, for me, it was always turned much more inward than outward. Uh, well, mostly, not yeah. entirely. Um, but um, <laughs> happily, I also never had, you know, drug family secrets to, to, to get engaged in. But I and I'm always hesitant when shows like this cover issues of mental illness, because I think that there's a lot of ways that it can be done in kind of a pulp like way. And mm-hmm. um, I think part of me was frustrated with how the mental institution was presented, because I think the way the the way the story was told it, they really, I mean, they, there's this scene of just like Ben wailing and begging, don't, no, don't lock me up. Don't lock me up. You know, it will kill me. And mm-hmm. um, there's a part of me that just really wrestled with that because mental health institutions in this country, like, are not the best by any means. And I'm guessing in rural Missouri, especially, are probably not that yeah. good. Um, <laughs> but but I do feel like they they did the absolute best they could. It was, an you know, the police put them in a very hard situation and I think the way the show plays out is Ruth breaks him out because I feel like she sort of feels like that's what she has to do because he's basically been sentenced to death. When you're right, I feel he broke her when she went to visit him. He, you know, he's hysterically crying and she's not used to dealing with, you know, somebody yeah. you know, who has these issues. So she doesn't know. Yeah. And, and, and we'll get to Ruth in a second for sure. Cause she's an yeah. important part of it. But I feel like for, for him, uh, for Wendy. Yeah. I, I, I hate watching it, and I, I kind of wish the show had, had written it a little bit differently to be a little more sympathetic. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you're right. And it's, again, it's the – you know, it, it's almost sort of that like <clears> – <throat> I think you kind of were saying this before. You know, we're now at decision number five. And is decision number five probably the best thing that Wendy could have done? Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. But I also – like, and so I feel like in some ways – I don't think Wendy's responsible for her brother's death because of what she did. But Wendy also like she decided to start down that whole decision tree by saying it was okay for Marty to um, start laundering money. And in regard to which, like this is a natural consequence of that. Like part of what her decision was, was she allowed him to stay. Yeah. Marty asked him to leave. They both asked him to leave. They had one sweet bro sis conversation on the bed. And she's like, I want you to stay. And, uh, an exer- all of us grown from around the world while we were watching that episode like no girl yeah. what are you doing oh. like one of the things I think that I often drives me crazy in shows like this is where someone says like look I'm going to take this risk because I'm confident that it won't go bad and I often think like if that if, that, if you do that you have to be responsible for when it goes bad and both mm-hmm. you're right when she lets the brother stay but even going much further back this was a foreseeable consequence of getting involved with money laundering you know like getting involved in something very shady when you have a brother who's a potential loose cannon like 
she didn't protect him from the get-go, which would have been to, you know, as much as it would have been hard for her, she needed to tell him, you know, get out of here. We don't want you here. Right. You know, break his heart to save his life. Break his heart or even just, and again, there's no show if this happens, but I think it's what we can judge her for. (laughs) You know, for her to say to the very beginning to Marty, like, look, I have this brother who I love dearly and is a a loose cannon and I don't want to be involved in anything, you know, illegal because it could tie into him some way, you know, like, yeah. It's that level of forethought that I think none of these characters have. That's so frustrating. No. Well, it's even like with things going on in the world now when all of a sudden there's this option. And I've always like said, you know, I would fall. I'd be a Wendy in a second. I would go in there and try to be a boss bitch and try to take care of it. Because when people flash money like that in front of you and it's like you're set, you are set for life. Yeah. You just have to do this. Like it's, you yeah. know, you either jump off the cliff or, you know, it's all in or nothing. I'm. And it's hard. It's hard to make that decision. Yeah. Just yesterday, um, uh, I recorded um, a podcast on the TV show uh, uh, Burn Notice, which have you seen? Mm-mm. It it's fantastic. It's one of my favorite shows. And I, I, I think I, um, I, I, I really want to encourage people to watch it, especially when we're kind of going into a, a content drought. Um, but one thing we talked about mm-hmm. there is because it's all about uh, it's closer to the superhero idea. It's all about super spies, you know, but that okay. in that world, you're always having to make a decision of like, how much can I compromise myself? You know, how much can I do a bad thing for a good end? Um, and I think this is exactly that same thing, you know, because I'm sure even that first time when Marty and um, Wendy decide to launder money, mm-hmm. I forget what it is, but I, 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 you know, I'm sure that there's some level where they're like, you know, cause we're going to have to pay for the kids schooling and like, you know, that they're, they have good intentions, even though I think they come from a very privileged place. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but it's, yeah. One of the things that I think I'm fascinated by, and I think this show does such a good job illustrating is, you know, once you tell yourself it's okay to cross a line because you're doing it for good purpose, it feels like the next line becomes that much easier and the next line becomes that much easier. Um, I was just going to agree. I was going to say, uh, you know, her choices in season two. Yeah. Helen told her if she chose to have uh, Cade, uh, Ruth's dad killed, that it was going to change her. Right. And it did. And it changed her in a way that she felt more powerful, I feel like. Yeah. And that's when she starts to, you know, really, she's like, I'm in control. I'm doing this. I'm going to meet Navarro and this and that. So maybe some like something like that happening in season two. I feel like season one, Wendy would never have let that happen to her brother. Yeah, I think it's very true. I think that's, yeah, she, she's, she's both fallen down this pit a little bit. Uh, and, but again, here it's also, it's like every time the show shows you someone doing something terrible, it then makes you sympathetic to them because mm-hmm. Part of what I also remembered as I was rereading this is a big part of the plot is that she's a person who had to put her political, you know, her literal, I mean, she was involved in politics. She had to put her political mm-hmm. and her um, career goals on on hold for her husband and for her family. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's a part of me that's like, yeah, like, you know, you get it, girl. Like, you just yeah, cl- you're good. Claim at your it. power. I like to watch you. Yeah, I like watching you be good at yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's one more way yeah. that the show just gets so complicated. Um, so let's get to Ruth and Ruth, I think is my, I, my favorite character. And I think you said yours as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. And she really goes on quite a journey. Um, what, what's your kind of take on Ruth? As a, first of all, what makes you like her so much? Oh, she's just a little firecracker. I love, she had my heart when she, uh, kicked that guy in the nuts and threw him off the top of the boat. And I was like, that's exactly, that's my yeah. girl. She's tough. She's smart. She, um, she knows it's important to learn, which is so difficult for people who who come from like a, a life situation where, you know, her and her family live in three trailer parks, right. like three trailers. And, you know, most people, you know, she has this will, like, I'm getting out of this. I'm going to this, you know, change my life and I'm going to learn how to do things, even if it's illegal to, you know, better myself. And she's good at it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's 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 interesting because I feel like in some ways she's one of the smartest characters on the show. In part because she does the, um, like you said, it's hard, I think, for anybody to kind of know what you have to learn. I think it's also really hard when you don't know your own biases. Um, and I feel like she's one of the ones who's most willing to be like, well, this, this, the way I've been taught tells me that this should be a dumb thing. But I'm willing to kind of go beyond that, you know, and she's willing to, she's fiercely mm-hmm. loyal to her family, but also willing to cut ties when her family's being horrible. You know, she's she's willing to kind of stand yeah. up for herself and... You know, I think one of the most interesting parts of all this is how much she's she's so fiercely protect. 
I think, again, in part, I think because in many ways she and Marty bond because I think they're both very motivated by guilt. And I think a lot of it is I, it's a survivor's yeah. guilt of, you know, for Marty, it's that he escaped when everyone else he was involved with didn't. For her, it's that she's doing well. She's getting out of her mm-hmm. poverty situation. And so when she sees people like her cousin Wyatt who aren't and who are getting into worse situations, it, it just it, it, it really motivates her to want to try and do better. Uh, yep. And that's it's all it's so nice to see characters grow so far from what they were in when you meet them in the first episode yeah. to, you know, season three. It's, you know, she uh, and I and I love, you know, she she tries to be hard, but she does have feelings like when Helen went to her and kind of asked her if Marty was needed on a vacation in Mexico, if she could do things, that, you know, by herself. And she's like, yeah, absolutely. And then it clicked for her that, oh, my God, I just might have signed Marty's death warrant. And she went to him and she was hysterically crying. And I love how they built that relationship like these people actually care about each other until somewhere in season yeah Um, and and we'll get i just want to say one other thing about ruth before and then let's dive into that mm -hmm. um the other thing i think and and i think you know uh our our mutual friend matt carroll from the mcu cast and others would say that i'm um a little bit too much of a you know kill the rich (laughs) attitude but (laughs) there's a part of me that feels a lot more sympathetic to her than i feel to marty and wendy and it's mm-hmm. to me, it's because of the situations they come from. And what I mean by that is, for me, a person who's living on food stamps and welfare and or, you know, what a person who's living in a trailer park in a very difficult economic situation. I actually don't know if she's ever on government support of any kind, but, who's, you know, clearly mm-hmm. dirt poor. Everyone around her is dirt poor. She has no real Daddy's sense of jail. her chance to get out of this. When a huge amount of money is waved in front of her face, if she does some morally problematic things, I have a lot of sympathy for her. Marty and Wendy are, you know, comfortably upper middle class um, before they start this embezzling project. And I think like, you know, and maybe like, you know, again, paying to send their kids to to good colleges is going to be difficult. But I have a lot more like to me, if you say like, you know, someone from Ruth's position decides to make a bad moral decision to to improve her economic situation it's not forgivable but it's a lot more understandable to me than someone like marty and wendy where it's we're doing pretty well but we want to do much better Mm -hmm. no i agree with that um yeah it's it's interesting and it's like her dynamics interesting how old is she supposed to be on the show i think she's supposed to be like she starts out maybe like 17 18 and by season three she's 20 or 21 but it's not really clear And it's interesting because she she's such an interesting character where well say she wasn't in love with Ben, you know, and he was causing a threat to the family or her family. I could have easily seen her kill him because, I mean, we can't get a, she is a killer mm-hmm. a young age. You know, she you know, she's killed a couple people. And it's a very it's it's just an interesting part of her character. I think, you know, you see this sweet little not sweet, but, you know, this, you know, cute girl who's smart and she's driven. And then on this other side, like. Yeah, she'll kill you. <laughs> Hold on a second. I'm just looking this up to see if I can find uh, how old she is. Okay. Okay. So I did a quick look, and it, uh, Ruth is supposed to be 19 when the show starts. Um, I think actually not that long has passed. I think it's only been – well, no, it's been some time. So she's probably like 21, 22 by the time we get to this point in the show. Um, and you're right. I feel like the way she's presented, um, I, I really appreciate the way that um, – I, I like when writers kind of – trick me because of my own biases and i think she was very much presented to be like you know again that that hick girl who doesn't know better and mm-hmm. the way the way she grows really challenges you and it it just makes her a very a very sympathetic and interesting character mm-hmm. which i think is why i i the probably the thing i liked least about this season was the the the, the turn she made it at the end of the season um and here what i mean is her I, her feeling yeah. like um yeah, her she she feels like that the that they were wrong to treat Ben the way that she did, and also that mm-hmm. the birds are. There's a whole other thing where um, again, trying not to over-explain everything, but it, but it's the show's so complicated. We're doing um, good. We're doing uh, good. One of the things that happens is the the birds have always had this um tense rep uh tense relationship with the Kansas City Mafia, um because of the um, you know the mafia's involvement in organized crime and 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 gambling and things like that. And part of the deal is that the son of the the mob leader will be at the casino and having to work with Ruth. 
And he treats Ruth really badly, and they have a couple of fights. And as you said, she at one point kicks him in the balls and knocks him off the deck. <laughs> it's the best. Um, and they make a deal <laughs> where both of them are supposed to be untouchable. And mm-hmm. um, a couple of the, the mob men get killed um, by the cartel. The, the son, in a very hot-headed way, blames Ruth for it, although it turns out that he's wrong for it, and, and, and arranges for her to really be, like, kidnapped and, and tortured and, and, and really beaten and, you know, put in the hospital. And, and she demands that, you know, justice be done. And, and you know, the, the birds have to say, like, we can't. He's untouchable um, because mm-hmm. of the situation we're in. Which I've – it was it, – that and that seemed like another – it was a more Wendy-driven decision. Right. And that was more Marty just kind of, like, being at that point where he just shrugs and he's like, ugh, whatever. Yeah. Whatever you say well, at this point. Which was a huge mistake because this was awful. Right. And I think so because of that and because of Ben – the show ends with Ruth really kind of having clearly turned on the the birds and now being willing to, at least it seems, go and work with the Snells, the the um, kind of other the Darlene's family. Um, well, and it's because Darlene is what she's probably in her sixties and she's sleeping with her cousin, taking very good care of him, and she also Darlene also went and got that justice for Ruth that Wendy and Marty did. Right. Um, and I I I kind of see what she would you know yeah these. I don't. I I get it. I yes, get it. I was gonna say. So, what what's your take on Ruth's decision there? You think she? Yeah, you know, after Marty did what he did, and then um, I feel like she is at fault for what happened to Ben. Um, you know, for her part, and I feel like everybody could have handled that last conversation better. Where Wendy's screaming in her face, you know, this is your fault. You killed him. You know, there's this twenty year old girl, she's in love with him. Like, let's let's tone it down and, and think before we speak, but then we wouldn't have a show. Yeah. <laughs> and and Darlene, Darlene took her shotgun and she shot Frank Jr.'s balls off. You know, if somebody did that for me, I'd be like, Okay, maybe this person is she's taking care of my cousin. She wants to take care of me. She made it safe for me. Darlene ends up making a, a deal with the uh, Kansas City mob and things look like they're working to move forward there while the stuff with Marty, you know, as far as they knew, they might've been getting shipped off to be killed. Yeah. I don't know. I agree. I mean, I see that as her best case scenario because she lives in a world where she has to take the best case scenarios. Yeah. It's funny. At, at, at first I was very against the direction Ruth goes in this and I not even like, and I thought it was just kind of bad writing, but, but mm-hmm. I think I, yeah, as you talk, I think you're right that there's, because there's a part of me that sort of looked at what the birds, the situation the birds were in and thought Ruth was being unreasonable to think that that actual revenge could happen. But then mm-hmm. I, I think part of I think part of what Darlene shows is that and this is the problem with the birds is that they always back down, you know, and that there's an extent to it. Yes. Everyone in the show, you know, once you're outside the law, everything always works based on who's willing to make the biggest threat and who's willing to back it up. And mm-hmm. on some level, I feel like. Darlene has a very kind of damn the torpedoes idea, as does Ruth, mm-hmm. which in the long run, I think, is the wrong thing to do. But in this case, it does get the mob to back down. And so it makes you kind of think, like, why weren't – and – well, I guess here's the best question is Ruth at one point says, like, you backed down because um, I'm not really part of the family. If this happened to your actual daughter, you would never have backed down. Um, do you think that's true? Oh, 100%. Mm, okay. I mean, how fast did Wendy, after she found out what uh, Kay did, or uh, what Ruth's dad did to the uh, her daughter, he was killed the next day? Right. Was that protecting Ruth or was that protecting yeah. Charlotte? No, I, I think you're right there. And I guess I think, mm-hmm. and here again, it's one of those times where like, I wonder just how good the writers are <laughs> because <laughs> I feel like if we're supposed to be on Ruth's side and thinking that she's making the right decision, I have trouble with that because I think, She's right. The birds didn't protect her as much as she wished they had. But the Snells are certainly mm-hmm. not any better, I don't think. But I, mm-hmm. but what to me makes sense is if part of this is about is her feeling incredibly guilty because she knows she was responsible for Ben's death, not wanting to admit mm-hmm. that. And so she's doing that thing that a lot of us do, I think, where she is, she's turning all that anger outwards so that she doesn't have to turn it inward, Um, if that makes yeah. sense. Oh, I agree. 100%. Yeah. And I, yeah, from that perspective, I think now – Ruth's behavior makes a lot more sense to me because then it's like she to stay with the birds would mean to, in some extent, take responsibility for what she did. And I think she can't mm-hmm. do that for, for understandable reasons. 
Yeah, and her and Wendy's relationship is pretty much destroyed because Wendy, again, is, I mean, she's not wrong. If Ruth had just, if they had just waited it out a couple days, let him get back on his medication, maybe he would have calmed down. You know, maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe he would have died in there, but maybe, you know, more likely he would have calmed down, have him put on his meds, and then, you know, they could have gone from there. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I mean, I think that's, I, I, like, I'm no psychiatrist. And wasn't it Darlene who got him out of, Darlene did that too. Darlene, she went to Darlene to help get him out. Did she? I thought she did entirely on her own. But now you might be right. No, I think because Darlene, for some reason, has the sheriff. Oh, that's right. She has. She has the pull with the sheriff. Yeah. Yeah, and Darlene bailed Wyatt out of jail. Right. So she's been doing a lot of things for the Langhorns, which is smart because she's alone. Yeah. No, she she's definitely made a very conscious effort to pull them to 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 Darlene to rebuild the family that way in a way that's I think impressive mm-hmm. as well as terrifying. Um. <laughs> Wild card. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And it's it, it's again. It's that kind of like, you know, I I look at the show and I feel like you could take any of these main characters. I think the birds and Ruth are portrayed in the most sympathetic light because that's who the show's about. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you could take this show and and really tell it from the perspective of any character and make that mm-hmm. character seem the most heroic. You know, um, in a way, what yeah. I think is bad so well done. Um, so yeah, um. I think Ruth was kind of the last main character we wanted to talk about. Um, one other thing I'll just say, and I, we can't get too, you know, um, I don't want to go too deep in it, but I will say that kind of, I, I think one of the most interesting things the show does is also uh, the kids' perspectives because clearly, mm-hmm. I mean, if there's anyone who's kind of like, you know, blameless victims and all this, it's them. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do love the way that they're not just treating them as innocents. Like both of these kids are becoming, do you ever show the TV show Weeds? Yes. I love weeds, and part of what I love is that it lets you know little twelve year old twelve year old Shane Botwin become a little budding sociopath. Um, yeah. yeah, and and I get like Jonah is the best, you know, guy in the chair. They needed him so bad. Mm-hmm. Ugh, Charlotte can kick rocks. Yeah, <laughs> she, you know, she makes whereas Jonah's actually trying to help, mm-hmm. and and you know we're in this situation. She has she does literally everything she can to be the worst character on the yeah. show. Um, but we'll see what happens with Jonah because uh, I don't, I don't want to jump around too much. It's hard. You're right. It's hard. He, he goes to Helen's house cause he thinks Helen's going to kill his parents. So he takes a gun and he's going to kill Helen. And Helen's like, I didn't kill your uncle, your, your parents right. did. So he, you know, I feel like we're going to go into season four where it's like Marty and Wendy versus everybody, you know, because Jonah is not going to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I think as cool. I think Jonah has been fiercely loyal to the family, first and foremost. And Charlotte, like you said, has been a lot more kind of on the outs. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, I am very curious to see where Jonah goes because Jonah now has, <clears throat> you know, I think. You know, and, and it's not like Helen was being entirely honest. Like she was, she put them in a situation where they had to kill the brother, right? As well as she was mm-hmm. literally in the process of getting Jonah's parents killed when she does that. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I admit, there's a part of me that just really wanted Jonah to pull the trigger, even though I know that that would have been like I a did very... too. I did too. Now we have to deal with a 12 year old murderer, and that's a whole other. I guess I, I he's between like 14, 15. No, he's like 13, I think. Uh, um, yeah, he he is pubescent enough. To be very aware of his sister's friend in a bathing suit, but he's still sort of right. prepubescent enough that like, well, his attentions aren't really taken seriously, but she also kisses him at the end. Like, it's a kind of like. Yeah, she was weird. Well, he he doesn't have any friends and they always like would whisper behind his back that he they were worried he would end up like Ben. And so when Ben shows up, you know. They have a, a friendship after um, after Buddy dies. That's his only, you know, friend. And he's like, oh, this is my uncle. You know, people say that I'm a lot like him. And he gets very close yeah. to him. So he takes it, you know, he's taking it very hard. And then to find out, you know, this whole family, the whole point of this to make it work was that they were going to do it together and no more lies. And then everybody just starts immediately lying to each other. And I know we wouldn't have a show without the lies, but... Just stop lying to each other. Just be honest. It's always when the things work the best. Yeah. No. And you're just like pulling your hair. Like, why are you guys just lying? Stop well, lying. And again, it's that kind of thing of like, there are so many times where I look at like TV shows and movies and think if 
I would. I wish these characters could have healthy re- re- relationship dynamics, but if it was, there would be no mm-hmm. movie. Um, or, mm-hmm. Especially because, like, I, I think I've <laughs> joked with people about, like, to me, if, if team, if Tony and Steve in in the MCU had a healthy relationship, it would go, you know, Tony, I think we need some kind of regulation. How about we do this? The Sokovia Accords. Cap says, no, mm-hmm. that's far too restrictive. And now Tony and Steve sit down for two hours of bureaucratic negotiation to figure out a middle ground. But instead, no, we can't right. do that. We just go to punchy, punchy land. Um, <laughs> well, you know, when everybody else, you know, if I was Cap, I'd be like, well, Tony, we're in trouble because of, you know, this is 80% your fault. I didn't create a super pop, but that's a different <laughs> cast. <Yeah>. Definitely. <laughs> Team Cap. But it's just, yeah, it, it, you know, we'll definitely get you on there for some time. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's that whole dynamic of, um, you know, if we had healthy relationships, we wouldn't have TV shows and movies, but, but you do kind of tear out your hair. Like you say, just like, can you all just stop lying? Tell each other the truth. Yeah. Um, like Marty, uh, you know, uh, what, what did he do? He, uh, he bugged her phone and when bugged Wendy's phone. And when she calls the cartel, the cartel knows that her phone's bugged. Like you can't, how are you making stupid decisions like that? Like you think she's calling the leader of a cartel and he doesn't have a way to see if the phones are being bugged, like the trust that this, that that, like all the things they're doing yeah. to, to put themselves in more danger. Well, it goes back to exactly what you yeah. said. Every decision just makes things worse. And, it, and I think it's a lot. Of, it's just the hubris. Like both Marty and Helen are convinced that they, at the end, are smarter than everyone else. And if they come out with a plan, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's um, it, there's a um, a piece that I saw written a while ago, and it was it was about um. It was kind of using role-playing or video game ideas to apply to kind of like psychology in life. But it's basically about, do you see other people as NPCs or as other player characters? You know? Mm-hmm. And, like, I think both Marty and Wendy are in that they see everyone as NPCs. You know, they think, like, I know how this person will act. They'll do what I want them to mm-hmm. if I just come up with a smart plan. And it's, you know, they're right. Mm-hmm. It's like, And, yeah, they try to do it to themselves or to each other so hard that they both bribe their marriage counselor to tell the other one that the other one's wrong and it's like you want to talk about ethical what are you doing yeah <laughs> very true very true all right uh i think that kind of goes to most of our outline is there anything else you wanted to touch on and talk about about this show no i think we we covered a heck of yeah. a lot and then i i, I want you you have to watch the show because even all that we just talked about is just scratching the surface yeah. Yeah, I think this is um uh we're 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 getting into binge land now. Is that the the we're not going to be getting much new um content? And so I'd say like you know if you haven't seen it, um I put Burn Notice to the top of your binge list, but I'd put Ozark uh pretty high <laughs> on that list as well. Um you know both very good shows. Ozark definitely in that you know if you didn't like Breaking Bad because you want someone to root for, don't watch Ozark. Um, <laughs> but it, if you can enjoy <laughs> that kind of everyone's terrible, but let's see how they all work it out. Let's see the kind of family drama played against a horrible background. Um, Yeah, I think it's a great show, and I hope this is kind of giving you some good questions to wrestle with. Yeah, because if one show has a lot of moral questions, it's this yeah. one. Um, all right, well, well, thank you, Ashley, so much. Is there a way that people can uh, can follow you or can, can communicate with you uh, if they have kind of thoughts on this in terms of are you on Twitter or places like that? Sure, you can follow me on Twitter at Ashleyann Coffin at I think just twitter.com. I haven't checked in a while or electrical underscore ash on Instagram. Awesome. Uh, and we'll put uh, links to both of those in the show notes. Um, Ashley, thank you again so much for being a part of this. It's been a great conversation. Nice. Um, thank you so much for yeah. having me. This was and, great. And to our fans, um, as always, you know, we want you all in the conversation. So if you're a big fan of Ozark or if you've just been listening to this and, and have some thoughts, let us know. Please post on our Superhero Ethics uh, Facebook group. Uh, there's also the Facebook page. You can join both of those to kind of follow the conversation. The group, though, is a great place for conversations about it. You can also tweet at us at Superhero Ethics or email us superheroethics at gmail.com. Links to all of those will be in the show notes. And really the best thing that you can do, though, more than anything, is we're really trying to grow this audience, get more people involved, get more people in the conversation. So if you like this show, it would mean so much to us if you can go to iTunes, go to wherever you listen, write a review. Um, it helps get more people seeing the show. And and also just tell people about it, you know. Um, I know a lot of folks aren't listening to as many podcasts now. Makes total sense. But if you know people who are, you know, post the link to this um, on your own Facebook or Twitter. Just say, hey, you know, this is a fun thing to check out. I'd love for other people to check it out. We want to get that audience bigger. We want to get more people involved. We want to have a richer conversation with all of you. So 
on behalf of myself, Ashley, thank you so much. Thank you to all of our fans. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye.